I believe everyone has a story to share. I'm on a journey to discover the magic inside each person's story. Each week, I will introduce you to guests where I will dig deep and uncover the beautiful miracles from life and experiences to inspire and encourage you to live life to the fullest. My goal is to give each guest a platform to share their lives with the world in hopes that someone will be inspired to take action and live life with passion and purpose. Welcome to the Uncover Your Magic podcast with me, Ashley Donner. Are you ready? Here we go. Welcome back to Uncover Your Magic. As I sit here today, I am alone with both girls at school. The beginning of a new school year is always exciting and hard at the same time. Getting back into the routine and not being in their presence 24-7 has its perks and it's not so good things. But most of you know me. I cherish every moment I have with them. I know it will be here before I know it that Paige will be heading off to college and Presley not far behind her. Lately, I really find myself embracing every single moment even more than before. I have noticed how they are even more present with me. We are a mirror to each other. Our time together like this weekend was so special and we really didn't do anything. The talks we had and the laughs and all the things that make each moment take on a special meaning. I am so present and with them when we are together. If I can inspire you who still have kids at home to do the same, I know you will be happy you did. The thought that the majority of their childhood is over blows my mind. I keep thinking of new trips and experiences we can do to create more memories together while we're still here under this roof. I keep looking back at all the memories we have made and wonder what story they're going to tell about their childhood. To think we only get one childhood and that we each have a story about our childhood. And now as parents, we have been the guide in their journey in more ways than we know, creating the story they will tell someday of their childhood. I am curious, as I watch my girls head out on their own, what limiting beliefs have I, as their mother, made them think are true? I wonder what their dating life will be like. Have I empowered them to be worthy and know that their core beliefs and values are so when choosing a partner? The decision-making will be so it'll be so easy for them. As a parent, we all know we are the people who mold our children into who they are. We give them a set of beliefs that they carry on into this world. What a feeling for myself is that I know they will face challenges along the way, but deep down inside, they will hear my voice that's inside of them and that I have taught them to listen to their inner voice that is guiding them saying everything is perfect and is all working out for you. When you teach your kids and their teens especially that everything is always working for them, not to them, it takes the meaning of situations in life that could be looked at negative into a positive light. I was at a meeting at Pages High School for parents who have athletes last week. It was about teaching parents about social media, vaping, and racial equality. 
I was sitting there thinking, first of all, thank God they made this mandatory. So it might bring an awareness to parents as to what is going on out there. But it also reminded me that I know with all my heart that Paige knows what is right and what is wrong and how to treat people equally and love everyone, regardless of race, religion, and the list goes on. I know she knows her values, so she won't be posting any inappropriate pictures on her social media because she knows anything out on social media is permanent and could ruin her future. She knows her values, what vaping can do to her body. What a feeling to know that everything they spoke about at that meeting, I didn't have to worry about. Do you realize how many parents don't know what their child is putting on social media? I see girls doing things that could ruin their future. If a college gives a scholarship to a student, they will look through their social media with a fine tooth comb. They aren't going to give someone hundreds of thousands of dollars to attend their school when they have inappropriate posts on their social media. I'm saying this today because the kids today being raised in this generation are faced with things we never were at their age. To have an awareness of what is going on, talking to them openly will create this amazing line of communication. It's so important to be the role model for them because they do what we do, not what we say. I have loved being a mother more than anything. I feel so blessed that God gave me these two precious gifts to raise and be their guide along the way. I keep reminding myself they came through me and are on their own journey of self-discovery. My part in it is to just love and guide them, to love and to realize they are pure love. When kids know they are all love and only love, their confidence and the person they are out in this world is someone who is always loving and giving and making an impact. We all came here to be love and live in happiness and joy. Our ride to school every morning, like most of you know, is about getting in the highest vibration possible. Today, I played the song by Yolanda Adams, I Believe. I would listen to that if you could, because it's so powerful. But we all sang it. We sang it so loud. And we were at the end of it at the highest vibration when we dropped Paige off. She had a test and was worried about it. But after that song, her energy shifted. And it was so powerful to see when you lift your vibration, the confidence and the knowing exudes without any effort. On that note, I can't wait to share with you my next guest, Sharice Zaleski. Last weekend, I had on the local news. And here is this beautiful woman being interviewed about her new book called I Miss You Already. It, of course, caught my attention, and right away, I looked her up and asked her to be a guest on my show. I feel that way all the time, all the time. Here I am with both girls still under my roof, but find myself saying, I miss you already. Today, Sharice and I are going to talk about her journey as a mom to her daughter and the tools she used as she was guiding her in her childhood. You are going to love this interview, even if you don't still have kids under your roof. Let me tell you a little bit about Sharice Zaleski before we get started. Sharice Zaleski is the co-author of Big Laughs, Bigger Lessons, and I Miss You Already. The executive director of Zaleski Now, Mastery in Communications, a speaker, lifestyle coach, but most importantly, a wife to Gary, mom to Nicole, and Grammy to five. I Miss You Already is a children's book that is a celebration of a mother's love for her child. It is a reminder to take in all the small moments and make them big, because before you know it, they will have grown. 
Watching your child grow before your eyes is an extraordinary life experience, but the process of letting them go off to college is bittersweet. I Miss You Already is a love story between a mother and her child, culminating as a mother watching her adult child begin her own life journey. So without further ado, please welcome Sharice Zaleski to the show. Welcome. Hi, thank you so much, Ashley. I am so excited to be with you. This is awesome. Thank you. I am too. And I said in the intro that I saw you on the news the other weekend and I said, oh my gosh, she speaks my language. I need to have her on the show. And, you know, as far as thinking of why people come into your life at the time and I'm going through with Paige, like we were talking about three more years left of high school and you look back at childhood and think, okay, gosh, the majority of Presley's in seventh grade. So a little bit more with her, but we've guided them in this childhood and we only get one. Right. When you think of being a parent, I mean, we know our story as a child and what people say, what, how was your childhood? Right. Right. You have a story. And so here these little babies come with no story and we're right. the guiding light of this story. And then all of a sudden they get into, you know, junior high and high school. And I see the, I always like the fruit of my labor, what I've right. really instilled in them their whole life. And now I think now it really came to right. it really comes because they're making decisions on their own. They're more, right. you know, they're more not with me than before. Right. And, but to think of makes me think, when I was thinking of you, I was like, I wonder what they're going to say their childhood was like, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's true. You know, it's interesting because I often think about that now that my daughter is a mother and how she describes her childhood. Right. I'm hoping that it's described with, you know, beautiful words and expressions. And I actually am very thankful because she does tell me that she's like, you know, mom, my goal is to be the mom you were like, my goal is to give my children the sense of love and celebration and guidance that you gave me. And as a mom, there's no greater words. There's no greater trophy. There's no, there's nothing greater than having your daughter, your grown daughter do that. And then I see the way she parents and I have nothing but just like good pride in my heart to see if the values that I instilled in her, she's carrying on to the next generation. Yes. Oh, I love that. That is what my prayer and my vision is for my girls and my relationship. But I'm going to go back because I don't know this. This is new to me of how you were raised and what started your, you had one child, but what were the things along your journey as being a mom that Either did you pull from your childhood? Did you learn on your own? Did you read books? What? How did right. that, all that come together? You know, so that's a really interesting and peculiar question because I came from a home very opposite of the way I chose to raise my daughter. I came from a, a very violent home. My dad was an abuser. He had a very violent, very violent temper and I beat my mom and us kids on a regular basis. And when I was 11, he tried to kill her. And so I was raised in a lot of violence. And then my mom, I never realized it until her passing and going through all the possessions and things. My mom was um, a hoarder my entire life. And so she lived in addiction, but it wasn't like when people think of addiction, people typically think of alcohol and, and drugs, but there's an addiction behaviorism and lifestyle. And so I was raised in that. 
And, but here was the thing, Ashley, very young in my life, I had an introduction to, to God and that one little seed never left me. And from that moment in my, the chaos of our family, I was always on this quest to know God and to find God. And this little girl that was a stranger, I mean, virtually a stranger one day invited me to a Sunday school class in this little church in Northern California. And I went and everything worked. It was right. And it was a small church and that church literally adopted me and the women there and the families and the moms and dads, they became my role models. So they instilled in me what a nurturing couple looks like, what a nurturing father. I didn't know what a nurturing father was, Mm -hmm. but to see these men and how they, they cherished their families and provided and protected and, and just set a godly example. And then these women who loved being a mom, like my mom was just overwhelmed with her own brokenness. And I know she loved me and she gave me her absolute best. I mean, I have no doubt of that, but she was just a, she was a broken woman. And so those were my role models. And I thank God for them every day because they really set, they, they introduced to me what a healthy family's families look like. Uh, Explain your mom. What do you mean by that? So my mom was raised in a really very, very unhealthy home. And she was very, very broken when she met my father and at 17 and they got married and make sure my phone's off there. And so my father was broken and then she was broken. So these two people come together that are very broken, trying to create a life and her brokenness versus his, they clashed, right? You know, like if they were both drinkers, then maybe their brokenness would have been more cohesive, right? Right. But my mom's hoarding and her behavior and addiction, I think set my father's anger off because he didn't know how to control her and he just wanted her to obey him or whatever. So that would just go into rages and beatings and things. And so my mom was in many ways, a very strong woman on the outside into her professional world. She gave the exterior being very strong, but inwardly at home and whatnot, she was a very broken person and but did the best she could with the tools she had. So I, I don't begrudge her. I have nothing but love and admiration for my mom. But now, you know, I'm 54 and the years of processing and trying to figure out. And then when she passed, going through her 16,000 cubic feet of items that she wow. had saved every item in her life, like literally it was like a TV show of hoarding. You know, you you go into a person's psyche. And, and um, so, yeah, so that's, she did her best but she's just really broken. So, so what do you think the meaning of hoarding? What, what is going on mentally that makes someone hoard? Cause I, I I'm relating to this. Cause I, I was at my mom's hadn't seen her for a year because of the pandemic. And my sister and I came in and we're like, we're getting rid of this stuff. Like, and we yeah. did it like 10 minutes. Cause I felt like, mom, you just, you're a hoarder. What are you yeah. holding on to? You need to let go. So new comes in, what are you doing? Right. Well, hoarding, I think is a very complex disease or uh, addiction in the sense of, so my mom was raised very, very poor, very, very poor. So when she was, had the opportunity to buy things for herself, she was constantly rewarding herself with buying more things. So that was part of the hoard, right? The constant need to purchase more items. Then my mom was not able to necessarily able to dissect uncomfortable personal emotion. And that, that translated to items, never letting go of an item, right? Mm -hmm. Because it had some kind of emotional attachment for her. And so it always became, she just held on to everything. Like I literally found receipts 
and things from 60 years ago and huh. things, you know, just her, she had her junk mail categorized. She's been saving her junk mail for 20 years. Oh my gosh. Right. And so wow. but that's a disease of the mind, right? Right. Where she somehow need, and, and it was like, I think it was her way of trying to have control in her life. Like I I'm organizing all this stuff, but it's also a deflection of not dealing with her inner turmoil. Yes. So, mm-hmm. huh. Fascinating. So when you met the church, mm-hmm. got introduced to this church and you're learning, right. Oh my gosh, this is how life can be. And I'm right. Like, you're just inspired by these people and how they love and that mm-hmm. now it's like this a whole new feeling. So you get out of your house, you graduate and move on to right. college and right. meet right. your husband. And yeah. So I, my whole life, I have had a desire to serve people through ministry and through my faith. And so, because I saw how, what God did for me, what God plucked me out of, you know, the church was phenomenal, but the amount of love and nurturing that I got from God and him loving me. And, and that's really like the book that we brought us together. I feel like God dropped in my heart. Those are those, that father love that I never had. God protected me and and just, he restored areas of my life that I can't even fully go into is so profound. So I went off um, to college, met my husband. That is like a whole other saga, like a lifetime movie story. And, but I digress. And so, um, but I've been married for 31 years. So ironically, this is the funny thing. So before I married my husband, like if I would date a guy, like after three dates, I'm like, okay, yeah, you're nice. You're a guy. Whatever. I want to meet your parents. Let's hang out with your brother and sister. Cause I, oh, I'm going to marry into a great family. Like I like, the guy was almost secondary. What's your, what are your parents like? You know? Um, and I was like, cause I was going to marry into a family. I, I had this visions of aunts and uncles and cousins and brothers and, you know, joy. And so that's, that was kind of my MO. I meet my husband. We have this whirlwind romance. We get married in less than a year of meeting each other. I meet his parents like once before we're married and his family and they were more messed up than mine. Like Uh, they were like off the charts, like, uh, you know, and, but what's been interesting is my husband and I have a lot of empathy for one another. We really, we have a lot of understanding and compassion for areas that even still we are working through areas of our lives that may have been broken or have not healed well. But because of that, Two, I think we both knew what we didn't want with our, our daughter. We had one child. We knew what we didn't want. And he has two older children from his first marriage. You know, we knew what we didn't want. And so sometimes that's a great instructor as well, right? Not just what was done for you, but what, you know, you don't want to repeat. And I think one of the things, and you've, and I've just spoken just briefly, but I think what I hear you say, kind of like the undercurrent, it's, you know, the power of being intentional. And I think that one of my greatest sadnesses is when parents become apathetic, when they just, just are waking up and going through the motions. I just want to shake them and go, oh my gosh, don't you understand? This is like the greatest gift, joy experience that will continue for a lifetime. And so I think everything that Gary and I went through in our childhood, it caused us to be really laser focused about being intentional. What was he like as a dad? Okay. So my husband, he is a very big personality. Like I'm, he says I'm the talkative one, but I'm like, he's big. Like he's just huge personality. And (laughs) 
He has no desire to discipline whatsoever. Like it was just, in fact, my daughter used to say, I always loved it. Like if dad said he was going to, you know, spank me or time out or whatever. She was like, I would go in the room. I'm like, dad, I'm just going to yell or cry. Let mom (laughs) think, right. You know? And so he was very fun. He was a very fun dad, the very jovial dad, but he was also the dad that with our daughter and his um, older children too, that wanted to have like really deep conversation and really deep dialogue and, and was comfortable with being uncomfortable, you know? Right. And he's always traveled a lot. So in his career, he's a keynote speaker. He was always gone a lot. And so when he was home, I think that again, made it even more poignant to be present and mm-hmm. to laugh and, and, you know, enjoy and kind of, and I would be like, look, I'm here holding down the fort. You got to keep me propped up. Like you can't, you can't undo the systems here. Like you can't feel sorry for her. You know, like the funniest thing was one time we were just talking about this one time she, he was driving, we would drive her to school. It's 40 minutes. So she's like in junior high and she comes in to me. She goes, mom, are you driving me to school today or is dad? And I said, well, I'm driving you. She's like, oh, oh. <laughs> you know, well, why? She goes, don't tell dad. She goes, but every day to school, I ask him for a Starbucks. I get whatever I want. She goes, I've got dad wrapped right here. And I go, Oh, Oh, really? Good to know. Note to self. (laughs) Right. Right. Yeah. And so I take her to school. I don't say anything. And I come back. I'm like, Hey, Hey, you got to knock that off. You can't keep doing that. He's like, I love that time. I'm like, yeah, but now she's expecting it. And now it's no longer a privilege or a treat or reward. Now she sees how she manipulates you. So no more, you know, so he was that guy, you know, but I think a lot of dads are. Yes. Well, you know, I think dads, when you have daughters, especially because I have two girls as you have one, but you know, I think for me, I have a funny story. Like my mom and dad were married twice, got divorced twice. You know, I kind of had this whole like in and out dad and, but present and then present more when I was older. Right. And I think, you know, they were young, they didn't know any better. And you know, that's kind of, they did what they knew best. And I'm not a victim of anything. I'm grateful for everything like you, but I look at back at like getting like in high school and he was there. And I remember us going on a date, (laughs) you know, there's my, I have two sisters, two younger sisters. And I'm like, I would never want to come to this house with my dad sitting in his robe in this chair, like with his arms folded, (laughs) you know, those days were like, you know, they drop you off and you have to go to the door. Well, you better come to the door, you know, he's waiting. But, you know, for when I raise my girls now, I think, you know, I, I had that in me, but probably not like where I know my girls do. Cause Richard's just like your husband, he's super, yeah. like, he loves the deep conversations. He loves to, you right. know, he's part of everything, the coach, the, yeah. they're in pageants, you know, he's so into it, watching him trying to critique the dresses and yeah. you know, he's so into it, whatever they're into, he's supportive. Right. And I love that. And I feel like it goes back to your self-worth as a woman. I right. really feel a lot of that comes from your dad. When yeah. you start making decisions on who you're going to have a boyfriend or, you know, who you're dating or your partner or whatever it is. But I feel like that's been such on the forefront of my mind. Yeah. And I think it's so important because I've always said, you know, I want you to, you know, get your, your life, create your life and right. you can be, do, or have anything and you just need you. Right. And then it's so amazing to watch once you have that, know that you have that power. Right. Then the perfect person will come, you know, the, the reflection of that and you right. will mirror each other. And that's what you'll, you'll say, oh my gosh, that's it. 
you know, it'll be so easy. So I guess as a mom and with you and how you raised your daughter on how she picked her boyfriends, how did that work? So she had, you know, most of everybody she ever dated, she knew from school, from high school and growing up together, um, either grew up in, um, her Christian school. So that was, and I'm a very strong proponent of cultivating your children's environment because who they spend time with, you know, is who they're going to have friendships or heart bonds with. So she had dated pretty much people she only knew. And her first boyfriend in high school, great guy. And we became great friends with the parents. We knew them, but we became great friends. And so whenever they dated, it was really always just family events. Like they were a cute couple, but it was really, you know, we were, we did life together as parents, you know, and created a safe environment for our kids to do life. And then, um, it was funny. She went off to college to Tennessee and she wanted to just kind of live her life without on her own, not on her, her own terms. My husband's a very big personality and very well known in our town. And so she, she didn't want to be Gary's daughter anymore. Like not like bad, but just wanted to have her own identity. Like, right. you know, her people liked her for her not like, Oh, you're mom or dad or something. So she goes to Tennessee in this small college, like 3,500 miles away. And she meets a boy and they're dating for like a week or two and they start talking and they're whatever they're talking. So then this boy ends up talking to his parents. Oh, I've started date. I dated this girl a couple of times and says her name. And the dad goes, what was the name? What was the first name? <laughs> and says it again. He goes, I think her dad was my youth pastor. Oh, funny. And so my daughter laughs. She's like, I couldn't even get away from you on the other side of the country, a remote town. Somebody knew you anyways. So she dated him a little bit, but then she comes home and she was just kind of going through some things and just evaluating things, but she knew her worth. She knew her values. She never deviated from that. And she ended up meeting a young man for five minutes in passing at a job that they both had in a weird way, but it was a five minute exchange. And he asked for her phone number and she had never given out her phone number to anybody because she always just knew the guy she dated. Right. And they started talking on the phone by texting, which was so weird to me. I'm like, why isn't he calling? He needs to call here. Like, I'm still in this, like, you're 16 mode. And, you know, we pick up the phone and you show up at the door and you, and she's like, mom, we don't do it that way. We text first. That's like the first protocols. I'm like, oh, Oh, funny. Anyways, they, they did that for a little while and uh, they ended up falling in love and they got married. And I have to say, hands down across America, I have the best son-in-law anywhere in the United States. Like Uh, I have the most extraordinary, wonderful son-in-law that he loves and adores my daughter. Like he cherishes her the way you want every daughter to be cherished in a marriage. He is the best father. I mean, he just is amazing. And uh, he loves Gary and I, and he's just, I I can't say enough great things about him. And so but I think because too, she had those values instilled, she knew it was like to be treated well. She didn't have a reference of it's okay to be treated badly. Mm-hmm. And so she met, you know, when they met and their relationship unfolded, that's how she, but she married somebody that was completely out of our zone that I was like, well, how do I get to know his parents? And how do I, you know, I need to do my background checks, but I think God had it under control. So oh, I love that. You know, you, you think of, in high school and you watch, you know, who they pick and Paige, there's no one she's liked yet. 
So it, we talk about it a lot now. And I see her talking. We we're at the mall this weekend. And I said, are you kind of thinking about boy? Because homecoming is coming. They didn't yeah. have anything last year because it was COVID. And so all these new things, school five days a week. And now the yeah. whole school's in. So all she's like, mom, I just, there's no boys that are, you know, I said, yeah, you're not going to have all these friends have boyfriends and I don't, you know, and I said, that's fine. You know, it'll come when it's, when it's right. right. And when you feel that, you know, you don't have to just go find a boyfriend. No. <laughs> But um, it's so funny to watch when I'm the observer of when I pick her up or see the boys and we're at, she's on crew team and there's a few girls that have boyfriends and you watch that and she goes, mom, I just, it just doesn't feel right to me when I yeah. see that. And I said, it, until it does, then you'll know. And then we'll talk about it, you know? Exactly. But when you were writing this book, I miss you already because yeah. I have, it's coming tomorrow. So when I ordered okay. on Amazon, I didn't, I was like, shoot, I wanted to read it before. What sparked that? First of all, the title, of course, I understand, but what made you want to really just put this book out? So how this book came into being, I never planned on writing a children's book. I've always felt more like on inspiration as far as connecting with women and their hardships or what they've gone through because of what I've gone through. And my husband was on the road like he did, he spent, you know, it was his career of speaking. And my daughter, I think was sleeping next to me in my bed. Like, mom, can I sleep in your bed tonight? I'm like, yeah, sure. Like, as long as they're not, it's not neediness. Like I have no problem with that. Right. Yeah, me too. So, cause I'm like, you know, those moments go so quickly. So as many moments as you want to grab with me, I'll take them. Right. right. I have, For I have sure. no problems with that. So anyways, she was like seven, eight years old and she was sleeping in my bed. And, and I just remember looking down at her and, and my heart just ached. And I was like, I miss you. I just, I miss you already. And I was like, how can I miss somebody who's sitting right there in front of me? Like she's, she's not gone. She hasn't gone anywhere, but how is it that I could feel this ache? And, and I, and it was just this realization that it goes so fast, you know, that the moments are so fleeting and, and she's such a precious girl. And I was so thankful to be a mom and I really didn't think anything else about it. And I went to sleep. And I felt like God woke me up in the middle of the night and said, okay, get up and go right. I'm like, what? Go right. I went to my office and I literally in 10 minutes just wrote out every line of this book. And so then it, but then it sat there and I didn't know what to do to get it the, the right illustrator, finding the illustrator I wanted. And, and what does that look like to publish a children's book? Um, the market had really changed drastically in the last years since I started it and wanted to publish it. But I think the, the desire of my heart in this book was first to, for my daughter to have that love story. It's a love story between a mother and a child and that she can have that because I think there's times as our daughters get older and they, they start to have that separation, they carving out their own identity. It's sometimes that we can be misconstrued. Um, sometimes things get blurry and we just get misunderstood. Right. Right. But this is a, like a love story between me and my daughter, but I also want it to be a love story that reminds every mother and every father, every grandmother, everybody who reads it to just to cherish those moments, you know, cause they're growing and they're going to go off and they're someday going to have a life of their own and have their own children. And, and you're going to miss them. You know, you're going to mm-hmm. miss it. And there's some beautiful songs like you're going to miss this and don't blink. And it all goes to that spot about, how quickly it goes. And so that was really the inspiration kind of did it too. I felt like out of obedience, I felt like God just put it in my heart and I'm like, okay, I'll just continue to move forward with it. 
and see where it goes. Oh, I love that. You know, I remember it remind, reminded me of, I remember being at the grocery store when they're in their little cars, in their little carts yeah. and people yeah. will come, oh, enjoy the moment that goes by fast. And I'm like, oh, sure. Like, you know, gotcha. Yeah. <laughs> and now I, that's what I do at the store. Oh, that goes by so fast. I wish mine were still in the car seat, you know, or in the little baby thing. But I, you know, you just, I think when you think of life, because I didn't have my kids until I was 37 and 40. Yeah. So later in life, I really just knew when I have these babies, I yeah. am going to live in every single moment with them, every yeah. single second, <laughs> yeah. live in the now, the moment, the present, everything. And I'm so grateful that it worked out that way for me because right. I now look back and I know that I look back and go, gosh, I think they're going to tell a pretty good story for their childhood. I feel good about it. You know, yeah. and I think it's because of my presence right. and being there and being aware. And I was thinking about, we were at this meeting for school on Friday and it was for all the parents who have athletes, they were required to go. Right. And I'm listening and it's about social media, racial equality and vaping. Mm -hmm. And I'm glad I'm like, thank God they required every parent because I bet 90% of those parents probably are clueless of what's on their social media, clueless of what vaping is. I mean, I'm looking at it going, Oh my gosh, all these things that kids get up, come up with, they get their emails to send to Amazon and get all these sweatshirts with the rope, with the vaping in it. And I'm learning all this. So he has a slideshow and then the racial equality, they're having a program, which I think is beautiful for kids to, you know, love, you know, learn how to be loving, (laughs) you know, regardless, let's just be loving. You know, when I tell, when I've taught the girls how to be loving, they'll, mom, they're just not loving. And I said, just be loving. Like there's not much more you could do. You just got to be loving. Those girls don't know any better or whatever. Right. Right. But when I was sitting there and I was thinking, yeah, first of all, it was mandatory and I get why. Because yeah. I'm sure they're thinking if parents don't know what these kids are doing, we better make it mandatory. So we're all mm-hmm. sitting here and they have to sign out. I mean, it's right. Or, or your kid can't be an athlete. <laughs> so they all show up. But, you know, I'm listening to social media and I'm thinking, you know, he said 10 kids that got full scholarships. Well, this college is cut them off because they looked at their social media. Yeah. Anything inappropriate can ruin, it's all permanent. And I tell Paige that, and she's like, mom, if you saw some of these girls' Instagrams, I don't think they understand that. And I said, you know, when you think of, we don't know what social media, I mean, we grew up with nothing like that. Right. And now it's so prevalent and it's like, we don't know, the parents don't know either. So we're all kind of on this journey at the same time together. Right. So we don't know the repercussions. We don't know all the things that could manifest from social media, right? And the TikToks and all the things and the addiction. I mean, on top of that is just the- goes on and on. Oh, so when I'm listening and I'm thinking, oh, thank God, Paige, that my girls are so aware. We're so on it and they can only be on their phones for an hour. I mean, I have so many- and they right. respect everything. They get why it's never a fight. Right. And then I think racial equality. Oh my gosh, I've raised them with love in their eyes to every single right. person. You know, what a God, we're all God, you know, we all right. are come from. And to know that, and I'm thinking, oh, that makes you feel good. And then we go to the vaping. <laughs> Those girls will be so afraid when they see, we went to the football game and there was some girl, I said, oh my gosh, Paige had to leave and come over and sit. She's like, mom, it kind of scared me. I said, well, this is why we're at this school. So we can all be together and learn what's going on. Right. You see these kids that are going through that and the parents don't know. And 
to think of, they were giving like, well, if their eyes are dilated or if they have a Sharpie or if they have a highlighter pen, all these little things that are teaching parents to be aware. Right. But they're just getting away with this stuff. Right. Yeah. So my heart, I guess at that moment was like, oh, you know, one, three less things to worry about, but also knowing that, thank God that I was led to instill those values. Right. And believe so strongly that she just knows right away. Like it's not even, I always say it's your internal GPS system. Sure. Yeah. You know, knowing your values. And that I right. teach that in my program to these kids. Like if you know that you're at a party and they're doing things that you don't, they don't, aren't your values, you know, you call me and I come get you. You don't right. even sit there. You don't right. want to be guilty for being there. Right. Or, you know, so Paige knows that she would never do that. And I just, I think raising a kid now, raising her right now in the stage she is and looking back at our life and at, right. you know, and we're all, I'm 52. So same right. era, you know, thinking of how we were raised without any of that come back when it's the dark, you know, you know, right. I didn't have all the things. And now driving is different for me when I'm knowing she's getting ready to drive. And I, you know, all the people that are so, you know, they're on their phones. It's just so many sure. things to think about as a mom. Don't there you agree? Is. There's a ton of things to think about. And And as far as the vaping, you know, that has something I've never really even given much thought to, but that is a new element, right? It's another element. But I think what you're talking about, Ashley, is really that if you are creating the foundations, if you're creating the building blocks for your children and giving them that firm foundation, right, then they're going to build their lives and their choices on those firm foundations. And because you waited for whatever reasons and having children, that also instilled in you the the value and the cherish you didn't, it wasn't like, Oh, I was too young to have kids and I don't know what I'm doing. Like it was very intentional and a very value. Right. So it took away any apathy and it made you have a lot of appreciation. Sadly, there's a lot of parents who are overwhelmed and from their own life, from their own background, their own story, from their own marriages, from their own careers. And so parenting, they're ill-equipped and they're not they're not laying those foundational blocks for their children. So then their children go to school and it is a human desire or um, component for us to want to be accepted and fit in, right? That's just part of our DNA is to want people to like us. But when you're a teenager, you're not really quite sure, like your body's changing from a child to this adult child, adult person. And so you have the ability to make choices that could be very detrimental. And now you have this digital age. So the gift that you're giving of giving them that firm foundation so that they have value and they know that they're valued at home and that they are cherished at home gives them that strength to continue to make good choices. Right. And so my prayer though is, you know, for the moms and the dads that are struggling with parenting, you know, because two, the people who are, you know, like the mandatory class, right? Well, the parents that are probably doing a good job would show up anyways. So right. you make it mandatory because the ones who wouldn't, they're the ones you got to, but right. And then even with this podcast, some of the parents who are really being intentional are the ones who are listening because they want to be intentional. Right. And so it's a difficult thing, but I think we can lead by examples by who you are and how you mother. And that for me, right. So I came from that violent home. It could have been very easy for me to duplicate what I was raised with. I mean, that's just a default. Right, totally. But 
but God was so gracious in giving me new examples for me to glean from. He gave me new examples to watch and learn and say, I'm going to take that into my life. And so these young girls that are in your daughter's lives, they might be able to look at your daughters and look at you and go, wait a minute, those are some things I want in my life because we never know really what's going on in someone's home life. Right. And I always say that to the girls. Yeah. When someone hurt people, hurt people, or if she's hurting you, you know, just send her love because something's inside of her that's hurting her. Right. You never know what's going on at home or what they're going through. Right. Yeah. So, you know, and because the, you and your husband have created an environment where there's a lot of love and kindness and intentionality, they can have that in abundance and hopefully give out compassion. Compassion goes so much farther than hostility. And especially in the current climate, you know, everybody's got opinions. I have my opinions. Everybody's got their opinions. But if we can walk in more compassion and in that spirit of compassion, I think that will go a lot further in um, breaking. And I think even with our children, you know, I remember when my daughter was in junior high and high school and had moms like, I'm going to kill my kid. Or why do you get mad? I get mad at Nicole. But at the same time, let's not forget what it's like to be that kid. Like, it's difficult navigating those worlds. It's, right. it's difficult navigating your social life and your body changing in your emotions, like have compassion for your child. There are things that they're trying to figure out too, you know, and uh, be more, just be compassionate with them as we figure it all out. Right. You know, it's funny when I'm on my own spiritual journey right now, and I really de- delve deeper this last two years, being on this podcast and meeting all these people has really opened my eyes. I guess that's really what it comes to. And so I'm in, you know, learning about my limiting beliefs and learning what triggers me and learning, you know, being the person I always say, kids do what you do, not what you say. Uh huh. And so I thought about that before I met you and thinking of things we were going to talk about, but I was, I look back at how I am in the last couple of years and not letting things trigger me and being the, the, the straight line, you know, being the calm, not having a storm. And so when watching the girls and it's all about, I know it's a mirror there it's, I just sit there and listen. I said, and they're upset. I go, gosh, that's, isn't that interesting? And then they come down, you know? And I think, you know, when you learn your things that trigger you and you learn your limiting beliefs that aren't true. And I tell the girls, well, why did that trigger you and her? And I used to say, cause she would get bullied a lot. Yeah. And I would say, you know, the mom, mama bear and me, you know, let me go talk to the principal and, you know, don't mess with my girl. And now what I've learned is that, you know, in her soul, like she's attracting that. And this is her lesson to learn instead of letting me go interfere and try to be the the blocker, (laughs) tell on the people, call the parents, you know, I just would never do that. And I understand now, like now with Presley, three years younger, you know, watching her go. And I think that's for a lesson. What do you think you're going to learn? Because Mm -hmm. that is something that you're, you wouldn't have even noticed that if it's not a lesson you need to learn to remove from your, uh, you know, your body or your soul. Right. So I think as a parent, you know, knowing that it's not a reactive universe, it's not a reactive to not be reactive. Mm -hmm. And to know that when you do react, it's, a limiting belief that you think is true, but it really isn't. And know that we all are, it's all perfect and in all right. God's timing and right. Everything is working for you, not to you. I always say that that's our motto in the house. Right. But just to have that place where they don't have that parent reacting, you know, yeah. and I, I really see a difference in them because of me. 
right? Sure. Yeah. Well, you're setting a standard and you're giving them a place that to be calm so that you, they can be vulnerable and they can be kids because their life is in transition, right? They need a parent. They need a mom that has stability that emotionally they can go to and know that they're not going to have a meltdown or they're not going to freak out. Right. And I think that is something that parents, especially maybe moms, because sometimes I think moms, we tend to be a little bit more emotionally reactive at times, maybe to, to be attentive to. And, you know, I think we all have a choice. We have a choice. And I think if we own that in our own behavior as parents, and then we own that, we, we set that example to our children. We listen, you have a choice on how you choose to respond to the situation. You're not a victim. And I think that's a really key component to teach um, our children, especially our daughters. You know, you're not a victim. You have every asset available to you. You have parents that love you. You're living in the best country in the world. You have a great education. You have health. You have your mind. Like you have everything going for you. So really the only difference is what you choose to agree with in your mind and your body and your spirit. And then what you're going to make that, how you're going to live that out. But if you don't live that yourself, right, then you can't just tell your kids to do one thing and you know, you're doing the other. I remember years ago, my husband was coaching a man and we were talking about what he spent his time doing and just whatever. And I think Nicole was, I don't know, like third or fourth grade. And I said, well, we don't watch anything that she would not watch. And he goes, what do you mean? I go, he goes, you don't watch rated R. I go, I don't watch anything that I can't say it's okay for her to watch. I can't live a double standard. If that's not okay for her to be watching, then I shouldn't be watching that. I go, because I don't set my example by what I tell you to do. I set my example by what I'm living. Totally. And that's the difference. And so I think sometimes some parents it's incongruent because we're saying one thing, but Mm -hmm. we're really doing another, right? So your children, they may not articulate it well, but inside they're going, "Eh, I don't respect that. I don't, Mm -hmm. it's not authentic. It's not real. But when your children get to see you do hard things, do things at times where you have to swallow your pride and apologize or humble yourself in a situation, or you have to own your mistakes, go back to your child and say, you know what? I was really wrong. Not, and no buts to it. I was wrong. Right. I think that speaks volumes to our children. I do too. You know, I think it was so cute because the girls go to a private school when they were, since they were kindergarten, well, Presley, a page at first grade, and it was little, Presley's still there. And, you know, there was no swearing, there was no vaping, there was nothing, you know, so Paige is like coming out of eighth grade into this ninth grade world where it was tiptoeing because it was COVID. So she went twice a week and she goes, mom, I, people swear. (laughs) It was like, but we don't swear in this house. So it was like a big thing, but, and I said, you know, I don't swear. And so you're probably so in shock. You don't hear that at home. Yeah. You know, all these things were, but that was so funny. She, mom, people, girls swear, mom, can yeah. you believe it? I, that girl swears like the one you think doesn't, she does. Yeah. Well, <laughs> it's, it's true. I remember my daughter had that a couple of things. She went to a small Christian school, very small. And she, during summertime though, one time there's a school, a couple doors from my house. And I had her do a reading program there. And she came home during this. She's like a second grade, third grade. She's like, mom they said the S word. I'm like, what? She goes, yeah, they said, shut up. And I was like, whoo, you know, like that was her level. But then when I was in, she was in junior high, I was driving to her home and something happened. I don't remember what it was. And I was like, oh, that is so stupid. And I just said, yeah, that was it. Right. She's like 12, maybe 13. And she's in the back of the car. She starts crying. 
crying, like weeping. And I go, what are you crying about? She goes, I am just so sad <laughs> that I have a mother. I don't want to use that kind of language. Oh, <laughs> that funny. You would say that was stupid. Oh, I just get up and I'm like, it's okay. I shouldn't have said that was stupid, but really it's not that bad. Like, do you know? And, but you know, my daughter was very intense and I always laugh about that, but you know, we're for, I'm, I'm fortunate that we were able to give that to our kids, you know, yes. and you are too. And there's other choices, you know, and, and teaching our children because you're going to be introduced, you know, into high school and a college in the workplace that people use certain types of language, but that's their choice, right? You don't have to participate again by example. Right. So this is if off kind of on the same kind of like what's going on in this world right now is I'm learning about the, you know, there's gender, like the, do you know about all that? The tra- Well, I know the transgender, yes. there's yes. a new he, she, they, all the pronouns. Yeah. Okay. You know that. Okay. Cause yeah. I didn't know that till I started working yes. with a, a, a girl that explained it to me that is going through that. And so I want to ask you this because it's going to help this mom. <laughs> so she's understanding that the daughter, you know, is identifying as he or they, you know, right. I don't know how that really works. Okay. So, but she does, she's trying to help guide her not to, right. Sure. So she's changing the school because they were supportive of it. And now, you know, she's at a new school and she, you know, she's the school's kind of, I guess nowadays we don't experience that here, but they're asking everybody, are you a he, a she, or a they? And yeah. I think, oh my gosh, that it's just so new to me. I, d- I just didn't yeah. know this was going on because it's not in my world. So if you were raising a daughter right now, she was right. 14 and she has, what would you do? <laughs> if she was experiencing that or she had a friend? She was experiencing that and had friends that were probably influencing her. Yeah. So if I had a, my daughter had friends and definitely I remember at different times, my daughter went to a small school. There was a couple of girls. I said, those girls are struggling. You need to just love them. And she had friendships with them, but you have to be wise in your engagement. Again, I don't know what goes on. You know, one, no one knows what really goes on in the nitty gritty in someone's home life. Right? right. But as we, as parents, as mothers, if you have a sense, you need to honor that and really because we need to guard our children what they're exposed to, right? Because right. you can't unexpose your children. And so definitely I saw Nicole already have friends that there was some questioning, love them, be compassionate, never be mean, never be cruel, never, never act out of love. But in that I would, I guarded her engagement because I did not want certain things exposed to her. If I had a daughter that was questioning her, let me just say this and who I am in my faith. I don't, I believe that there is one male, there's a male and there's a female. I don't believe that there's these cross-gendering. However, I do believe that those are real experiences that are people are having. Right. And I believe that there are, and the reason for that is extensive, like probably a very long, much longer conversation. I would first want to talk to my child and say, look, I love you. I adore you. I believe that you were perfectly and wonderfully made and that God has a perfect and wonderful future for you. I think that there are a lot of confusing voices that are coming to our children in this world today that could tell you a lot of things that are not true. I remember as a little girl wanting to be a tomboy. I remember a little girl doing a lot of things that now would be, I would, I'm concerned would be mislabeled and propagated that I must have a gender issue. And 
I don't agree with that. I think our media and our culture is in very dangerous ground of doing some very dangerous things to the psyche of our children. And so if my daughter ever exposed, experienced that, I would love her. I'd say, I'm going to love you through this. I love you, but I don't believe in certain, you were made beautifully made. And I, I have a family member that is actually going through this and my heart breaks for this family member. This child has always had some delicate psychological issues. And I, I think that this child thinks that all of their complications and not fitting in and feeling uncomfortable with themselves, this is their answer. Right. That's kind of where I was going with it. I feel that same way. Right. And it's not their answer, you know, and, and yet the parent is my relative, close relative and my heart aches. They're trying to be the best parent they know how to be. And they're very alone in this situation. So in that, I don't combat them. I don't, if he asks for my opinion, I'll share it, but I don't offer my opinion on a plate. They have enough going on. And again, in the spirit of compassion, my job is to be compassionate to a very difficult situation. So if my daughter was going through that, yeah, I would just continue to love on them. I think one thing I would say this, I think parents, and I encourage this to parents a lot when they're younger, it's kind of easier to do, but and you have a good relationship with your daughter. It sounds like not everybody has a great relationship with their daughters. Sometimes it's personalities clashing. Sometimes it's a power play. Sometimes it's problems in the marriage. But I, I really believe this. My job as a parent is to celebrate you so much that nobody could out celebrate you. Nobody could out love you. Nobody could make you feel more loved than me. That's my job. Same job is to discipline you. Like I'm going to discipline you. So you know, one at school is going to have to discipline you. No employer is going to, I, you know what I mean? Like, yes, but to celebrate. And I think as parents, when we get high schoolers and our girls may become difficult or moody, you still have to be intentional and in finding ways to celebrate them, mm-hmm. celebrate them, right? right? Let them know that you love them and that, and for no reason, just you love them. You want to right. do things with them. I want to be with you. I want to buy you. I bought you this just because, and that speaks volumes. And so if you had a child going through a difficult situation, I would you know, find ways to celebrate them in all the other way, like celebrate them as much yes. as you can. You know, and I've seen since I've been working with her probably six, seven weeks now, the beginning, it was very, um, very strong. And like every week we would talk and I see it yeah. diminish and I yeah. like, I told him, I'm like, she doesn't even talk about that anymore. Yeah. You know, and I think when you realize, like, I think there is a big story behind it, you know, and I, you don't know what's gone on or what, right. You know, she's gone through her little head of hers through her 14 years of life. So getting it at this stage of the game and listening to her and I kept telling her mom, I'm like, I just feel like she's trying to fit in. She's mm-hmm. trying to find a place to, to belong, you know, right. and it's like, she's, that's what she's struggling with that. It's not that she has this tendency, you know, I just feel like that's just an excuse. Right. Right. It's her cover. cover. And I think that some children don't feel unique or specialized. I think that's the human condition that we all want to feel special. Like we all want to feel it. Right. So what happens if you feel very unspecial? What happens if you feel very like just part of the crowd? Well, now all of a sudden in the media and our culture is so celebrating this concept now I'm very unique and special, right? Right. And yes. it also explains away all of my sense of not feeling like I fit in or my own discomfort. 
right. you know, social anxiety. And, um, you know, that's a very complex thing that will, could alter someone's the rest of their life, always searching for that acceptance and that identity. And they'll never, you'll never be completely satisfied. Right. I agree. But I, I agree with you. It is all about celebrating. It's all about extra, extra love. Mm-hmm. When I, we were talking about that the other day together, I said, you know, just, she's like, I went in and hugged her and, you know, jumped up and down and I could see a difference in her energy. Cause I'm trying to teach yeah. like, if you're in a high vibration and you're the mom and she's going to come to your level and you just get her up to that place. So she feels the love and she's excited and she feels celebrated. I love that. Yeah. There's a great book. I didn't write it. I wish I had because it's been like on the New York bestseller for like 20 years, but he has a child's version. And it's called The Five Love Languages by Gary Chapman. Yes, I love and that book. That, it's a phenomenal book and it is a game changer, I think, for every human being on the five love languages for your marriage, how you work with people. But it also has a parent version because we have to celebrate our children the way they need to be loved, not how I want to be loved, right? Excuse me, not how I love, but how they want to be loved. So I I remember when I was growing up, I always yearned to have time with my mother and my mother never gave me her time. And she, but she would go out and buy a trinket. She would go out to somewhere and buy, because she was a hoarder, right? So Uh is that buying stuff and having more stuff meant something to her? And she would come back and she would have purchased me something. And I'm like, mom, I don't, I don't want this. Like, can you just can you just take like, not do whatever on Saturday afternoon? And can you just, you and I go to the mood, you know, like I yearned for that. Mm-hmm. And I remember her saying, you always want what I can't give you. You want the one thing that's the most precious, which is my time. And I don't have it. Oh, wow. And I just remember feeling so discarded and I was probably mm-hmm. 15 years old. And I'm, and I'm thinking now as a mother, like, man, if I had my child asking to spend time with me, <sighs> believe me, I'd be moving heaven and earth. Totally. Right. Oh my gosh. Right. When I went to college, same thing. I'm like, mom, can you come? It was a two hour, hour and a half drive two hour drive. Can you come and, you know, just come on a Saturday and, you know, like you and I have time together and my time in college, she came one time she came yeah, once and she brought her husband and it was a very tenuous situation. And it was just, my point is for me and my love language, it was about spending time with me. Yes. Right. Yes. So don't love somebody the way you feel loved, love them the way they feel loved. Right. Right. That's a great, you know, I think that too. And, you know, we were about marriage (laughs) and when we did that and I said, okay, I'm, I'm acts of service and words of affirmation. So if he takes the garbage out, oh my gosh, you're amazing. Oh yeah. But he's like, what the garbage? I go, oh my gosh. I look at you so differently when you do that. (laughs) Yes. Exactly. Yeah. And mine's the same thing. I'm access service. Uh, I think most women are, and most men are like uh, physical touch. Like that's just always like one of their top ones, but you know, God has made us unique and different in each way. And that's to be celebrated. And it's again, love that, that love that person the way they need to be loved, not the way you want it. Yes. What, you so it. you have five grandchildren. I do. I do. I have, so my stepdaughter has two older grandchildren. So my grandson is 16 and granddaughter is like 12 ish, 11 or 12 ish kind of blurry on that one. And then my daughter that I have, she has three and my grandson, well, I say I have three and the oldest one, Ella, she'll turn five on Thanksgiving. She was born on Thanksgiving. Mm. And then my grandson turned three on last Saturday. And then my last grandbaby, Savannah, 
she was born on New Year's Eve and she'll turn one on New Year's Eve. So she, my daughter's taking all the holidays. I'm like, okay, you got Thanksgiving, you got New Year's Eve, like, you, you know more, but yeah. When you're as a Grammy, cause I, we call my mom Grammy and I saw yeah. that you do too. I do. Um, what's different raising or being a Grammy yeah. versus a mom? Here's the thing. And everybody says this and you're like, oh, it's so overrated people. Like, cause I'm like, I couldn't even imagine anything better than being a mom. Like being a mom to me is the end all be all. Like there's been no job, no career move, nothing can come close to the joy and the satisfaction of being a mom. Mm-hmm. And I still feel that like, but now my roles change. Like my daughter doesn't need me around as much. She's, she needs me, but it's different. Right. But when you have grandchildren, you get all this joy and celebration without the pressure of responsibility. Like, I mean, my daughter, and I, maybe it's because I'm so thankful my daughters and her husband, my son-in-law are doing such a great job raising their children and they're instilling such good values. I don't feel the need to have to help prop up my grandchildren, right? They are really being given great godly foundation and, and values of being honest, being sharing, you know, working hard. You don't always get what you want, please. And thank you. Like everything you could ask for. Right. So I don't feel the pressure. So all I get to do is just celebrate them and like spoil them. And my daughter's like, you never spoiled me like that. I'm like, well, yeah. Cause I was in mom mode. I'm now I'm in Grammy mode. Like now it's like, you know, no hold bars. Like, what do you want? What do you, I'll buy you whatever. And what kind of sugary cereal do you want? Like, <laughs> totally. Yeah. You want a donut every it. day? That's great. Like when Nicole was growing up, I was either oatmeal, eggs, bacon. Like it was like serious, like protein valued. Like I had like, everything homemade. Every My grandkids, oh, do you want waffles? Do you want ice cream? Oh, you know, like it's the pressure's off and I just get to love on them and celebrate them and, and just, reinforce the good job that my daughter's already doing. So yeah, oh, isn't that great? What a good feeling, right? Oh. To just be the observer of a beautiful couple that's raising those fam- that family with those values. Yeah. No, oh. she's doing a tremendous. I mean, it sounds like I'm bragging, but I'm just so thankful, like seriously thankful to see what a great mom she is, you know, I know a well, lot. It is, but you think of when you say you're bragging, I think, oh gosh, well then I must be bragging a lot, but I'm looking at it like, oh, I'm so, it's a grateful, like, thank God she knows her values, you know, that, yes. yes and I am bragging because I really worked hard to make her see that and I'll brag till the, yeah. <laughs> so that everyone can hear me, but Absolutely. it's just such a, if I could say too, the most important thing I've ever done is be a mom. And I've, yeah. you know, and I know that I've put my whole hundred million percent into that. Yes. And so I do take bragging rights because yeah. I feel when I see her, I think, oh my gosh, oh, thank you, God. You know, like, oh, she knows, you know, yeah. and this is, she knows what's right, what's wrong. You know, it's the one job you don't want to have regrets on. Right? Yes. You know, there's marketing material that I've done for my husband's career. There's a lot of promotional things I've done. There's a lot of jobs I've done in our career. And I can look back and go, oh, I, I regret that. I should have done this, or I should have, I should have made that contact. I should have done whatever. Being a parent is the one area you don't want to have regret. Right? That's the one thing. And so, and you're going to, you're going to have areas, you know, you wish you could have gone done better. You look back and go, I could have done better at that. But as with all of your intentionality, with all of your uh, mindfulness, if you can do know that you've given it everything you've got to give it your best so that at the, at the end of your life, the second chapter of your life, you can have peace and hopefully reap those rewards. You know, my husband and I are now in the process of 
probably selling our home and relocating to Bakersfield, California. Not that I ever planned on moving to Bakersfield, nothing wrong with people in Bakersfield. I don't want to diss Bakersfield, but it wasn't like, you know, on the plan, but to be close to my daughter and my grandchildren. Right. And that's our legacy. Those are the pillars that last in our life. On our last note, what would your daughter say about you? What's your legacy? What would she say? That's a great question. I might ask her, I'm going to see her tomorrow. You know, I hope, I hope my daughters say that my, my mother loved me well. My mother made me and being a mom, the most important thing in the world. Oh, I, I hope and pray. That'll be a great question, but oh, I might ask her that tomorrow. I'm like, Hey, what would you say about me? Like, what's the one word? Like, what's on my tombstone? Right. So, but I, I think I, I'm very fortunate. She calls me a lot. We talk a lot and she's given me a lot of compliments and ask me questions. And I think she knows that's my heart cry that I loved her well. And I, that being a mother was the epitome and the greatest part of my life. And I did it well. And I, I think I'm hoping, you know, that she'll say that. Yeah. Oh, I love that. That's what I want my girls to say. Cause that's all I do is love, 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 love them. That's all that matters. Right. Yeah. And to know that they take their life on in that same mind, in that same respect is to just love. Oh yeah. And you know, honestly, when I see who my daughter is today and it's not bragging, but it is a little bragging when I see who my daughter is today and how she's raising her daughters, her children, I feel a little sense of pride and accomplishment. Like I know those are her choices. Like I, I can't make her, right. you know, right. Cause I have some friends who are great parents and their children are choosing otherwise, whatever, but you know, there is a sense of pride to know that the legacy is going on. And also too, you know, that what I was raised with and the violence and the abuse and the brokenness that was interrupted, that ended there. Right. Right. And that from this generation on my daughter and her children will continue to live that legacy of love and what, who God is in our lives. And that's the greatest compliment I'll ever have. Right. That you shifted your legacy. I mean, you shifted it and, you know, you think of people just are raised in certain terrible situations that continue it and continue right. and for generations to come because they don't know how to think otherwise, you know, right. right. I think, gosh, I mean, some things, you know, you look at people or, you know, meet friends that have these stories, these childhoods and gosh, you really turned it around. Like that's amazing, you know, yeah. or they're doing the same thing. You know, right. it's just, I really feel it's one or the other. You either, you turn that, you know, turn that, you know, whatever, take the other Y in the road right. <laughs> when you come to it and make that choice to make right. it better and stand up for something new or just continue and, you know, just do the same thing over and over and then get the same results and the you same and, yeah, childhood. <laughs> more brokenness, right? Yeah. So I'm forever thankful that I, God came in and plucked me out and and put me in an environment where there was so much love and, and nurturing and gave me the opportunity to grow in that. And just, yeah, I, I will forever be thankful that my life was changed because of how God came in and, and inter- interrupted everything and, and yeah. changed the narrative, changed the story, changed the outcome. And, and I see, you know, my children and, and what their futures are, right. Cause mm-hmm. you know, we're all going to have difficulties. None of us are promised easy you know, we're going to have difficulties. We could have career changes and, you know, illnesses and things, but if you have that foundation and the fact that she knows that God is for her, not against her, that God is always there 
as like the key foundation of her life to guide her and strengthen her. And she's passing that on to her children. You know, gosh, you've got it so far ahead because when you have a hardship in life come to you, you have your resources, you have the tools to make those decisions. So I love that. So finding your book, we can find, I miss you already. Yes. Amazon. Mm-hmm. And your website? My, yeah, my website. Amazon's always quickest and the fastest because honestly, even my website links to Amazon. So, but my website is Sharice Z at ShariceZ.com. And then the book is, um, I miss you already. It's on Amazon and with my name. Yeah. So there it is. Oh, so fun to meet you and talk to you. I loved it. Thank I you so you much. It was like such a joy and so fun. And when you reached out to me, I'm like, oh, this is so great. I love it. You know, you just don't know what doors will open to you, right? Just continue to move forward and knock on doors and things happen. Yeah. You just keep taking your inspired action. I learned, you know, like little thoughts in your head. I'm telling my students, like if you have one little thought that tells you you want to go horseback riding, go do it. You know, yeah. just even if it sounds weird, you just right. do it. Like if I saw oh, that you said that's I miss you already. Oh, my gosh. I've got to meet her. <laughs> we talk the same thing. She's speaking to my heart. But, you oh, know, I'm taking so glad. Those actions, you know, and meeting people like you and this journey for me on this podcast and meeting people and opening my eyes to new things and this opportunity that I get to share this hour with people that think the same way or like-minded right. and believe in, you know, all the things that I believe in and that I promote and right. you know, want my kids and students to be and um, well and uh, you know, seriously congratulations to you and like you know applause to you for moving forward in this and that you just jumped in you're like I'm gonna figure it out like I love it I love that and that's a lot of how I've lived my life I don't have everything figured out on new projects and new things but I'm just gonna keep going forward right I'm gonna live my life I rather I wrote some I'd rather fail at doing something than succeed at doing nothing yes right so totally. Right. And I always say like, when you have a strong, why, you know, that pull, yes. it's just like, the, it just keeps pulling me. I don't know. I'm not looking at how to do it. I just, I know the why is so strong yeah. and I just get up in the morning and I can't wait. And I'm like, okay, where's where am I going to go today? Yeah. What little breadcrumbs are going to fall that I get exactly. to pick up? Yeah. And it'll, it'll work itself out. The details will shake itself out, but that you're moving forward. So seriously, congratulations. Oh, to you thank you. That you do this, and I'm just uh, very excited and humbled and thankful to be a part of your program. Yes, you're welcome. I loved it. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to the Uncover Your Magic podcast today. If you are inspired by what you heard today, please share it with a friend. And if you haven't already, please subscribe, rate, and review this show on your favorite podcast player. If you would like to connect with me with any questions, comments, or feedback, please contact me at the Uncover Your Magic website. Thank you so much for listening. And don't forget, always look for the magic.